pause and slow down a little bit and just ask questions about what's going on in our own life and the the world around us so that we can see your hand uh, moving uh, throughout um, time and throughout people and even in our own lives. Help us to, to listen to you this day, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning I had the uh, almost encouraging news is that the clock stopped or slowed really way down. So I could preach as long as I wanted because it was still only like 9 o'clock when I got up here. Um, but they have uh, fixed it, so I guess I can't speak as long this morning. So uh, the second service. But we'll, we'll try to focus on a few things this morning. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some surgery on my message. And the first uh, part of it that's in your outline we're really not going to talk about, which is some of the names in Christmas. We'll We'll maybe share a little bit about that uh, with some of the things I'll do on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, uh, though Pastor Bill will be sharing a lot um, in those services uh, coming up. But we want to encourage you again just to be a light and invite uh, people to be involved in your Christmas celebration of, of who Jesus is. But what I want to talk about this morning is related to the title of the message is, is God working in your life. And if Christmas is really true and real, then um, we really see how God worked 2,000 years ago and particularly encountered people and did some things in their lives that they could not mistake as the hand of God or um, the voice of God or the people from God uh, inviting them into what he was doing. And sometimes you might be thinking, well, you know, I wouldn't mind that happening to me. I wouldn't mind having a a heavenly messenger come speak to me in such a, a clear way that I knew it was from God. And that, that's what an angel is. That's a heavenly messenger. Uh, I've shared with you before, you could actually be known as an angel if you're an earthly messenger for, for God. It's simply the word, if we had translated the word angelos in the Greek, if we had translated that, we would just say there were messengers on high that came to that first Christmas. Because that's simply what it means. But we would like a message from God or a messenger from God that made it so obvious that he was... He was He wanted to work in our lives, and He wanted to speak to us. But we need to realize that that's not how God always works. In fact, that's not how how God normally works. And sometimes when we look at certain portions of God's Word, we're thinking God's plopping down an angel all the time, or He's speaking audibly from heaven, or He's getting this fire from this bush that that also can speak out. And, And we're thinking, why doesn't He do the miraculous in our lives? Well, He does the miraculous, but not in such obvious ways. And the miraculous is anything God, time God moves. And we need to realize that at Christmas, that first Christmas, really it was at least from a, a verbal perspective a, a, a time of deafness because God wasn't speaking, or at least they weren't hearing. And actually they weren't hearing because God wasn't speaking. It had been 400 silent years. From Matthew to Malachi or Malachi to Matthew, God had not sent a prophet. And they were sort of used to God speaking in some dramatic ways uh, through heavenly messengers or earthly messengers, which would have been prophets or priests or whomever it might have been that God chose to use. But now God hadn't hadn't spoken in a long time. And and yet we need to realize God is moving, whether we recognize it in in dramatic ways. There, there There is a book in the Old Testament, the book of Esther, in which, surprisingly enough, the word God is not mentioned once. And yet throughout that book, the hand of God, sovereignly moving kings and queens and people in power and leadership and, and showing his handiwork in the midst of, of his name not being presented, but, but obviously his fingerprints are on everything that happens in history. 
And, and so what I want to talk to us this morning is, well, how, how do we know if God's working in our lives if we haven't you know, spoken to an angel recently? Anybody spoken to an angel recently from heaven? Yeah, how, how do we know if God's working in our lives? Well, we're going to see it from, hopefully, uh, the account of, of maybe some signposts or some indicators that you're ready for God to speak to you or to be involved in your life or to recognize He's involved in your life. And sometimes it's, it's in the obvious ways of, of simply us being prepared for Him to speak. Quite frankly, if, if we really wanted God to speak, well, were we ready for Him to tell us what we might not want to hear or, or tell us some things that might be overly challenging to us? And so we're going to see that in terms of why He used the people He did and how they recognized that He was moving. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you don't, you can listen as I read this. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to read part of that story and just kind of see God working in people's lives. Using somewhat the dramatic or miraculous, but also doing some things that, that we could relate to as well as far as us being ready to see the hand of God in our lives. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. And some of these towns were not very significant towns. They, weren't, they were just hundreds of people. In fact, some people thought for a while that Nazareth never really existed. And so archaeologically, they discovered that it truly was a town. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Um, and, you know, I told you I'm going to skip that first part. But Joseph's name means he will add. And, and God did add some things to Joseph's life that he wasn't quite expecting. Um, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's n- name was Mary. And uh, Mary's name, interesting enough, and we'll look at this somewhat briefly, came from a word uh, mean bitterness. And you're thinking, I mean, the, the mother of the Christ child comes from a name that has some meaning of sorrow and bitterness? Well, we'll see some of that as well. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was very perplexed at this statement. Now, that's an interesting thing in terms of God moving, is that when God moves, we're not going to always understand what He's doing or why He's doing it. Can anybody relate to that? You're thinking, God, why or how or what, what has happened, what's going to happen, and you're just, you're not filled with light, you're filled with kind of a, a gray, maybe not darkness, but God's revealing some things and you're just not quite getting it or understanding it. She was, she was very perplexed. And some of you are experiencing that because this will be the first Christmas without a particular loved one. Or there's some, some reversals in your life that are just, your life is more out of control than in control. And you're wondering, what's happening? I got a call Friday morning at 710. And the reason I looked at that, because I had just missed it. And I looked at, oh, who called me at 710? And it was my cousin who I grew up with, with his three other uh, brothers, and um, my Uncle John died on Friday, late Friday, or early Friday, I guess you could call it. And, you know, that you're not expecting that at Christmas. You think, well, couldn't he, couldn't he have just lived a little bit longer and got through Christmas? Um, and, and that happens. And it was happening in that, that time in which Jesus arrived on the scene. And the Bible says that God, at the appointed time, sent forth his son. But we need to recognize in this fallen world, there's all kinds of things happening that that bring joy, like we announced in the first service. Um, Michael Borg, who's one of our interns and working with our high school and junior high students, he and Amy um, are now proud parents of another cho- of, a, of, a, of another little boy, Daniel Joseph. And everything's going well, healthy, and nine pounds, odd ounces, whatever it is, okay? But they're, they're filled with joy. But yet, in the midst of hearing life 
brought in this world. Same weekend you hear about a loved one that I was very close to going home to be with the Lord. And you're just wondering, well, what's going on? Well, you're in good, good company. Mary was confused, per- very per- perplexed. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And normally when we're confused, it does bring a fear or an anxiety or a sense of, of worry. And he said, don't, don't, don't be that way. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And this morning with the Advent candle, we looked at one of the names of Jesus. And if, if you're going to have a kingdom, that means you've got to be a what? King. And that's who Jesus is. This little, this little child that's going to be birthed in your womb is, is going to be a king. Now, again, if, if, if God is moving and it could be a direct communication to you or indirect, that's what the Bible, you know, it's kind of for us all. But uh, I, I don't think right now she's less perplexed than she was before. I think she heard more from God. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're talking about me having a child. Uh, I, I, I haven't, we haven't consummated this, this marriage yet. And so Mary said to the angel, the obvious, well, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How, how can I have a child in my womb when I, I haven't had relationships and with my husband? And the angel sa- answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And, and for that reason, the holy child should be called the Son of God. And so now he tells her something that's never done, been done in the past. You're going to have birth to a child, and it's going to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowing you. And, and now she's probably more perplexed, more confused. And, and sometimes we trust God even though we don't understand everything that God has said or is going to do. But if God has said it, that should settle it. But the angel... And, at the hand of God, says, well, let me give you a little clue. I'm going to give you, that's the big miracle. Let me show you a little miracle that's going to happen. Verse 36, and, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, as, as she was also barren, is now in her sixth month. And God, really, in, in a sense, every child that is birthed into this world, whether it's in the, the way that God would have wanted it in terms of the union that's there it is is a hand of god there is there are no illegitimate children okay there's some illegitimate parents at times but there aren't any illegitimate children because god allowed that birth to happen and elizabeth and zacharias were way beyond the childbearing years and so let me give you a clue this is actually going to happen because you can just check it out with elizabeth and in case you wonder uh, about all the, the things that you read in the Bible, or particularly at Christmas, and say, this, this, this is a little bit too hard to believe. I, 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 you know, virgin birth, you know, I've taken biology 101, doesn't happen that way. But there's a pretty straightforward statement, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Which is really the answer to the, the question, well, how can anyone in their right mind believe this actually could happen? Well, if you believe there is a, such a one as an almighty God who is all-powerful, then that really settles it. Because if, if God is the creator of all of life, cre- creator of everything in this universe, then, then God can pull off anything. So this is nothing with God. Now, if you don't believe there is such an almighty, all-powerful supreme being in the universe, then, then yeah, that would bring doubt to this whole story. But 
If there is a God in which all things are possible to him, then this is totally believable. Now, there might be some other reasons. We talked about that last week, why you ought to believe this is actually happening, or it did happen. But if there is a God, this, you know, this is easy for him. So now what's the response of, of Mary? And Mary said, verse 38, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Be it done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Now I want to make some simple points, and we're going to do a little bit more rapidly now. How would you recognize God working in your life? How would you recognize the Holy Spirit working in your life? And really what we're doing is we're kind of almost like taking, you know, uh, an outside look at what's happening and saying, what, what's your perspective or attitude? If, if God worked work in your life, what, what would be your response? And this first one is, is pretty fundamental. He said, Mary arose, uh, Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And I put it this way in your outline. Uh, how would you recognize the Holy Spirit working in you? Are you ready to submit to what God says? Or you could put it this way, are you willing to submit to what God wants to do? Some have said that the, the most popular prayer that we have to a God, and maybe the God even, is, God, will you change your will and make it according to what my will wants to happen, right? I, I've got this thing I want to see happen. Could you just change whatever your plans are in case it wasn't in your plan and make it happen? But the response of someone who wants God working in their life is not, God, will you bless my plans, but I want to be involved in your plans. And so Mary, who still, I'm sure, was filled with just as many questions as she had before. This didn't totally make sense to her. How is this going to happen? But now had been convinced that this was the hand of God in her life. And she said, may it be done to me according to whatever is in your word or what you have planned. And one of the reasons I think Mary's name, the, the person that, that God chose to be the, the woman vessel, the, 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 the female vessel for which the Christ child was brought into this planet, is, was called bitter, or the name means bitters, because in the midst of all the joy that she was to experience, when her son went to the cross, she'd be filled with what? sorrow and pain. And isn't that what life is filled with? It, it's filled with both the joys of this world, but also the sorrows of this world. And everyone in that Christmas story experienced all the range of emotions just like people today do. But she had come to that point in her life in which she said, I, I, I want God working in my life, and I so want to cooperate with him. May whatever you've got planned, may it be done to me. I was thinking early this morning when I wasn't, I was, I woke up really early and I was thinking, you know, the Christian life is both passive and active. Active in that there are things God wants us to do in response to what he has told us to do. That's the active part of it. But the passive part of it is, okay, God, whatever you want to do to me or in me or through me, I'm, I'm a willing participant. And when we come to that point, then we're prepared to see God working in our life. We say, God, whatever you want to do in me, through me, for you, I'm ready. I'm a volunteer. In a sense, that's 
that's a challenge for all of us, to be a, a willing volunteer to say, God, whatever you want to do may be done in me and through me. That's, that's being prepared for God working in your life. But let's move on to the story, and we'll look at another character in the story, at, in this true event, and we'll look at her relative, Elizabeth. And begin at verse 39, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And so she, uh, there might be a variety of reasons why she took off. Uh, one, she might not have wanted everyone to see the, the child begin to, to grow in her own womb, but she wanted probably to, okay, I believe what the angel said to me, but maybe I want to confirm it. And so she went to see if Elizabeth really was with child. She couldn't go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media to see whether it was actually happening. So I got to see this in person. So she, she shows up and and, and interesting, look at the immediate reaction of Elizabeth, and we'll see how Elizabeth was experiencing God working in her life. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you could say, well, how do I know she was filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let's, let's see. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you, speaking to Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, you know, we the timetable here, we don't know exactly. It's quite possible. Um, have you ever been this experience? You're not sure whether someone is pregnant or not. You're looking at them. You know, are they pregnant or are they just putting on a few pounds? You know, you know what I mean? And so it's quite possible that Mary at this point wasn't, uh, wasn't really showing. But, you know, all, Elizabeth was recognizing something that was happening. And, and then it goes, uh, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Now think about that for a moment. Uh, and maybe there were some telltale signs. Maybe she'd even announced it already. We don't have all the conversations recorded for us in here. There'd be a much larger book. Uh, and she immediately recognized, this is a child unlike any other child that is in your womb. And I don't know about you. I'm, I, I hope, hopefully every child, the birth of every child is a happy experience for those who know the, the person bringing birth of a child. But but she called that child something that you don't normally call a child in the womb. She called it her Lord. Which is interesting, too, in terms of, you know, looking at the, the Bible says about the, the value of life in the womb. It, you could say this, this living tissue, this fetus, is more than just something that's living. It's, it's a person. And this person is the Lord. That's an amazing thing. I mean, she recognized what was in the womb from the very beginning. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I'd say this. You, you can recognize God working in life when, when you are being convinced about who Jesus really is. She was convinced this child, and she already knew that the child she was going to have was going to be pretty significant. John, whose name means God is gracious. This child is even superior to the child that's coming into my womb. This is the Lord. And when we understand God working in our life, we, we are convinced and being more convinced that the identity of the Christ child is He is the wonderful counselor. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the, he is the Prince of Peace. He is, he is the King. He is the Christ. He is my Lord. And so as we look at our own lives, are, are we being convinced about who Jesus really is? That's when, you, that's when you know God is working in your life because you know who God is. 
For behold, verse 44, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. So how do we recognize the Holy Spirit working in us? We are ready to submit to what God says and what is planned for us. We, we, we become progressively convinced. I mean, Elizabeth, even in the womb, was convinced who this child was. But also we begin to recognize what God is doing in other people's lives. If you want to know if God's working in your life, can you recognize what God is doing in other people's lives? Well, look at verse 45. This is Elizabeth again speaking to Mary. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Again, this is Elizabeth speaking to Mary. And blessed is she, Mary who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her, what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So, again, the encounter here is Mary shows up, is interested in what's happening in Elizabeth's life. All of a sudden, the whole conversation gets changed, not what's happening in Elizabeth's life, but what's happening in Mary's life. And she marks her, not as just with child, happy she has a child, but knows who is the child, is the Lord, but then said, blessed are you. Why? Because God is working in your life. And why is God working in your life? Because you've believed what the Lord wanted to do in your life. We become more sensitized to what God wants to do in our life when we become sensitized to what God is doing in other people's lives. Isn't that true? You're just excited when you see just a picture of God living by Him living in somebody else's life. And hopefully this Christmas, as you celebrate Christmas, you'll, you'll be looking around you and you'll just be filled with joy when you see God's handiwork in other people's lives. There's, there's so many ways I, I could try to illustrate that, but you know, this, uh, I had a real joy this last Monday as I had a chance to see my youngest son kind of preach a sermon to all kinds of underprivileged kids, you know. And I could see God's hand in his life. Or I, I can see it in other people's lives who just, they'll, they'll come and, and, and there are people in our church that, that no one else sees and, they, and they'll spend hours just being faithful to what God wants them to do. And, and see, that's when you, that's when you see, God, I can see God working in their lives. I can see whether people are noticing or not, but they, the reason they do what they do is because they see that everything done for the Lord is significant. And that it just encourages you to say, when I'm faithful to whatever God wants me to do, I, I can see God working in and through me. But, but let's move on. Okay, what, what's Mary's response to the affirmation? And that's really what I want to say. Are you affirming what God is doing in other people's lives? Are you looking outward as well as inward to see God working? But look at verse uh, 46 and 47. And then Mary said, my soul, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And, and so part of recognizing what God is doing in your life is not only the things you do with your hands or your feet, but also what you do with your heart. And so what was the response of, of Mary recognizing that God was working in her life? She was just filled with praise and to worship. And so you can see, again, in the normal way of life, this, is, this has nothing to do with spiritual gifts or anything like that or training. It's just living out your life. And, and her response was worship. She exalted the Lord, and she was filled with, with, with joy in who God was and, the, and who God was as her Savior. What does it mean to worship God? Here the word worship is exalting God. And that's what we do when we 
give praise to a name through song or having other people sing or even as we live out our lives, whether it's in response to God in prayer or through His Word or sharing our faith or using uh, our time and talents to, to, to do for others as we are empowered by Him to, to be a light, to, to help people who, who need to be helped. And you just experience God in a greater way and that hopefully is a reflection of your, your joy in Him and it gives you joy. But what, what it does is all of a sudden you begin to see God in a different way. And you want other people to see God in a different way. John Piper puts it this way in terms of, of worship. Worship is like a, it, the difference between a microscope and a telescope. Some people look at, at worship and they think they're, they're putting God under the microscope. They're beginning to look at all the intricacies of God. Well, we look at the intricacies of God, but what a microscope does, microscope, it takes something small and makes it look what? Large or big, right? But we don't do that with God because God already is large and big. Would we agree with that? But what we are when we worship God, it's like going through a telescope. And what we do is we take something that looks small in the distance. And let's be honest, sometimes we think God is kind of distant. We, we got that 400 silent years going on that they had. Or maybe something has been going on recently, as, as recently as this weekend or or maybe over the last number of months, and you're anticipating a, a challenging future in the midst of what's happened in your recent past or distant past, and, and God seems far away, and what God is saying, okay, in the midst of that, you know, get out your telescope and, and look beyond your challenges and, and look, look at me. And so what does a telescope do? It, it doesn't, it's not like a microscope, which takes something small and make it, makes it look large or big. A telescope takes something that looks small and brings it back to its original size. See, God, God never gets bigger. He's always already big enough, but He's not always big enough in our own sight. And so we, we take out the telescope and we, we draw God near and we begin to see Him as He is. And we magnify Him in the sense that we begin to see Him as He is. Now, for that to happen, God had to reveal himself, and that's what Christmas is all about. God plants himself down here in history, and if God were to become a man, he would be just like Jesus, and we'd begin to see his handiwork, and we we talked about that last week in terms of why we ought to believe he is who he is, but when we begin to see in other people's lives, it's also convincing, isn't it? And so so what was the response of, of Mary? As she was experiencing God working in her life, she began to be filled with joy at worshiping Him. So how do we know God is working in our lives? Well, again, we don't have to hear from an angel, but, but are we at that point in our life where we're really saying, I, I'm, I'm open to what you want to do in my life? Because in many ways, when we, when we, we aren't there, it's like turning off our hearing aids if we got hearing aids. And, and God could be speaking, but we're not listening because we don't want to hear what He has to say. But when we're open to what he wants to say and do in our lives, then we're going to experience God working in our lives. You know, secondly, if, if we're really open to God working in our lives, we have to be open to his revelation of who he is. And God has completely revealed himself and who he is by sending Jesus, God in the flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I am the great I am. And all the names of Jesus we've been looking at. Thirdly, we, we begin to experience God working in our lives when we see God working in other people's lives. I mean, Elizabeth was just filled with joy at seeing the, the mother, the, the, 
female vessel for the Christ child coming into this world. And she was just affirming, you are blessed because you are obedient to the word of God that was given to you. And then fourthly, we're filled with joy just at the opportunity to see God as he really is. Not make him bigger than he is. You don't have to. It's not like God has is got an ego problem and if we don't praise him, he's going to feel bad up there. He doesn't need our praise. We just begin to recognize he is praiseworthy. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like going through you know, life and you see this beautiful sunset, but you never look at it. Well, I mean, the, the sunset is beautiful. If you never look at it, you just don't recognize its beauty. And so many people go through life not recognizing the beauty of who God is. And then finally, <laughs> just recognize what, what part do we play in what God is doing. Look at, uh, look at verses 48 and then a couple other verses later on in what's called the Magnificent, which is the praise of, of, of Mary. And verse 48 says, For he has had regard, speaking of God, for the humble state of his bond slave. I think in your, in your outline I said blonde slave. Someone was telling me, so God only likes blondes? Okay, no. <laughs> if you're a brunette or ginger, as the person was telling me, who has reddish hair, uh, it is, okay, it's, uh, that's a typo in case you hadn't figured that out in, verse, in your outline. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, and all generations will count me blessed. So what is God looking for? He's looking for humility. Are you discovering the necessity of humility in living for God? Luke 1, 51 and 52 says this, He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. You want want to be farther away from God than you can even imagine. Just fill your life with pride. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. So if we want to see God work in our lives, you know, the prerequisites are pretty available and open to everybody. Are you, are you willing to submit to his will and not your own? Are you willing to recognize who Jesus is? Are you willing to affirm what God is doing in other people's lives? Have you come to that place where you see when you magnify God, it brings you joy and you exalt him? And have you met the prerequisite? You know, God, doesn't, God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who see they need help. Isn't that true? You know, you, you can't tell somebody who thinks they're a know-it-all because they already what? They already know it all. You can't help people who don't see their need because they don't, in their mind, have a need. You can't help people who don't think they need help because they, they feel that they are sufficient in themselves. And James 4, 6 says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the, to the humble. So are you ready for Christmas? You know, in some ways, you're never ready in terms of all the things you know, maybe on your to-do list in terms of physical ways. But spiritually, we can all be ready if we're ready to recognize that God wants to work in our lives and through our lives you know, for Him. But it all begins in a, taking that first step, doesn't it? Until you know Him, you, you can't experience Him. And so it, it's, it's a plain message, you know. They called his name Jesus because he would come to be the Savior for people's sin. And what separates us from God is, is not our, it's not our family heritage, it's not our economic standing, it's not how much religious training we have had or not, but are we open to receive what, what God is offering through his Son? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. 
So it's trusting that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And he can do what he promised he would do, which is bring us into relationship with the true God through the forgiveness of his sin because of his work on the cross. But maybe, you, you, maybe you've known him. And, and right now, really, you're not, you're, not, you're not falling after God. You're more fighting with God. And you say, God, I, because of whatever it might be, I don't want you to work in my life because I am angry at you or I'm frustrated with you or I'm perplexed as Mary was. Or I'm afraid. And God says, you've got to trust me. And you've got to submit to me. If you want to experience all that I have to offer. And to use you in a way that will count for eternity. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray for each one of us this morning. We are all in different places on the journey of, of knowing you. And some are still on the outside looking in. And Father, if they're still looking that... We just applaud them for that place that they're open to what might be true about Jesus. And we're convinced it is true, but each one must come to their own conclusion. But Father, if you are what you say say you are, you are the way, the truth, and the life, Father, I pray that they would come to you by simply surrendering their life to the one who died for them and rose again. By saying, Lord, I want you to come into my life, forgive me my sins, and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And Father, for us who know you, might we take a step of obedience and faith and say, Lord, may it be done unto me according to your word. Might I be obedient to your will in my life. Might I follow you. Might I be a light in the midst of maybe the darkness of my family or my neighborhood or people at work or my friendship circle. Might I be eager to show love for Christ in my my attitude and actions, by my words and my deeds. Father, we thank you that on that one silent night you broke in and became the light for this world. Help us to know the light and share the light. And we pray this in Christ's name.